Well, welcome back, Blockheads, to another edition of the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the most important person in the game, the Dungeon Master. The only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all of your players at the table. I'm one of your hosts, Dungeon Master Chris. And I'm Dungeon Master Neil, aka Joke Maniac. And we today are talking about everybody's favorite subject, everything that players love to do when they ask the DM, when do we get to go shopping? Yep. That's right. We are talking about downtime activities. And you would have thought that I mean, we might have talked about this a long time ago because that's a pretty important part to dungeon mastering. But we decided that this episode, a long ways into our backlog, we are going to talk about downtime activities. Yep. But before we do that, Neil, we do have something that we do every single episode. We have some five-star reviews to give out. We do. And I'll kick it off with the first one with a long title, but I got this. Dungeon Mastering the Right Way, A++++. So a five-star review by Pemberfoot, who we've recently been interacting with on Twitter. Yeah. Um, And he says, I have previously rated and reviewed this podcast before. I felt compelled to once again stress the utter importance of it being the number one source of gaming information in relation to DMing and storytelling in general. The cast, as well as the many Patreons, help provide so much story potential and rules clarification for any DM, whether experienced or new to the fold. Single-handedly, the best podcast to date on the true art of Dungeon Mastering. Yes, true (laughs) art of Dungeon Mastering. Suggest them to everyone you know that is into the hobby. DM Pimberfoot. Thank you yes, so thank much, you, Pemberfoot. Sir. We appreciate it. Thanks for your support and uh, interaction on Twitter, too. You're a great guy for hanging out with us on there. Yeah. Uh, our, our next one comes from DM Pile of Skulls, and DM Pile of Skulls says, Inspiring, good-hearted podcast. Five stars. When I started my DM journey over a year ago, this podcast was a great help. I keep coming back, especially to get my reps in DMnastics. So, Neil, you you guys got a, a great shout-out from DM Pile of Skulls, which is, a, which is a segment that understands that dungeon mastering inspiration is 90% mental perspiration and is great fun to listen to. The show is broken down into different segments, so if you want to hear about some really interesting long-form campaigns or listen to discussions of how the game's crunch actually generates character role-playing opportunities for PCs and NPCs as well as DMs, Overall, one of my favorite parts of this podcast is its good-natured, helpful attitude. These are the folks who see the magic of RPGs and want to help you to see it too. So thank you so much, DM Pile of Skulls and yes, Pemberfoot, you. for your great five-star reviews this week. Such a lighthearted and great review from someone named Pile of Skulls. I know. I know. I was expecting like every time I listen to this podcast, I'm in the dungeon <laughs> chopping heads and getting more. You know, but that wasn't the case at all. <laughs> But, Neil, with that, you know what time it is. It's time to head to the meat. I'm starving. We ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days. Why can't we have some meats? The flight meat's back on the menu, boys. So, like we said in the intro, we are talking about downtime activities. This can either be a Dungeon Master's favorite moment in in any sort of campaign night, or it can be something that a DM dreads because it's going off of the notes that you've so rigor- rigorously prepared. And we just want to come today to talk a little bit about 
what we do for downtime activities, how we can help you alleviate some of that stress. And so what do we mean by downtime activities? I think, you know, something that I think about, Neil, so often when I come to these nights where players are like, man, we haven't shopped for a while, we haven't got to craft for a while, we haven't got to do anything other than the straight-up story. I think of these times as anything that kind of breaks away from that main story where players just get to sandbox it up a little bit they get to go in and experience the towns that you've created they get to go explore that mountain range outside of the city that you know you may or may not have prepared they get to go and see their favorite barkeep again or their favorite blacksmith and so neil when i think of downtime activities that's kind of what i think of when we talk about those in a D sort of setting it's almost like housekeeping and I was thinking of like yeah. the, the digital analogy of like, okay, I've been playing World of Warcraft for the past six hours, going on this quest, that quest, everything, and now I gotta open up my bags, check all my inventory, see what I can sell, and now see what mm-hmm. I can buy. And go and don't check. accidentally sell the wrong thing that is Ooh. like a legendary level item. <laughs> and then you go back like thirty minutes later and it's not in the buyback tab and then you just yep. cry. But yep. yeah, pretty much anything that doesn't fall under like the normal purview of the campaign. Or you get to that, yeah. Or you get to that point where I don't know if you play with weight rules at all, but it's like almost like with Skyrim, where you're like over encumbered and you can't move, and you've just made it back to your horse, so you can ride back into town (laughs) without feeling over encumbered, and you just need to dump all of the stuff on the, you know, mediocre peasants of Riveran who have zero gold to pay you for the for the item. So that's the sort of stuff that we're talking about when we talk about downtime activities. So Neil, let me let me ask you this question: when you come to a point in a campaign where you as the DM are leading that game of players, whether it's four or eight or however many players are there, when do you normally like to allow players to go back to have downtime? Do you kind of, you know, plan out a whole night for sort of downtime stuff? Do you, you know, let the players just do what they want? Like, hey, we're in the middle of this thing. You know, we we have a lot of stuff we want to get rid of. We just want to have fun. You know, we enter into the city. We're on this mission. But, you know, so when do you normally as a DM kind of say, okay, let's let's move into a downtime sort of activity kind of scenario? Never. No, I'm just (laughs) never. Uh, Players can never go off of my script. No. Um, So if there's a store on this railroad, I'm pushing them along. That's awesome. No. So (laughs) the dungeon I'm running them through has very natural breakpoints because it has very set levels and they're not very big. So for my players, it's very natural that once a level is completed, that's when we go into downtime. And that's when we get the story of them finding an owlbear and it's owlbear babies and me really not (laughs) letting me letting that get way out of hand. Right. So I think that the key though, is that it has to be a natural place for that to happen, that it can't be shoehorned in by either you, the DM or the players. Like the players can't just come up with the idea to go shopping if it truly interrupts the campaign. Granted, I, w- I mean, you want to k- kind of give that some ebb and flow, but I think trying to find like a natural place for that, like they just defeated this boss. It makes total sense that they're going to go take the loot that they just found. And depending on how you do leveling up, go figure out like their trainers and sell everything and do that. So I trying to find as natural a place as you can for it is my advice. Yeah, I mean I think of I think of the times when, you know, you're you're fighting this bad guy, but then one of the people that's with you gets knocked out and the guy flees with that person, you know, being kidnapped. That probably wouldn't necessarily be a great breakpoint in time for you to go and say, Hey, 
we looted the rest of the bodies that are here, but our buddy is now being taken off somewhere. And, you know, we're just going to go back and go back and shop and hope we can find the trail later. You know, I, I think when you were talking about natural breakpoints, I'm not so sure that in the middle of a mission, unless you were walking into a town for the first time and it was like, well, we have we have zero leads. You know, we, you could almost incorporate downtime into investigation where it's like, well, we just have to get to know the town. We just have to start asking around. And a natural thing to do would be to check out the normal places where people hang out. And maybe we can gamble a little bit at this time, which, you know, isn't necessarily a part of the DM's plan. Like, hey, you're going to sit down at this table and gamble at this specific time and, you know, learn this specific information. But you're kind of incorporating that downtime into that. Unlike when your player just gets kidnapped and runs off or, you know, is running, being run away by the bad guy. doesn't seem like the most natural time for you to take that unnatural break to go and do some downtime, like gambling or drinking or, you know, meeting some of the townsfolk or trying to find a job, that sort of thing. And so I, you know, what's, what's nice for you, Neil, is that you have those kind of natural breaks in that dungeon where you can stop. Players can, can, rest they can you know shop they can level up things like that i think the hard part for a lot of dms is kind of trying to find that sweet spot for when it's okay to find that natural break and so you know maybe some advice from my end and maybe neil you can speak to this a little bit is this is where you know for me communication is huge for players and for the dm uh just make sure you're communicating with your players like hey what do you guys you know constantly asking that question what do you guys want to do what you know what what is your sort of thing and your players will kind of answer that question for you of, you know, does it feel natural for you to stop at this point in time? Yeah. And for like examples of when like downtime is not going to happen, but I feel like the players have intellectually signed a contract to know that's not going to happen is like the campaign of the unending sea. Right. Like there's just knowledge that that's just set into the campaign. You're signing up to essentially go on a boat forever. Right. They know, or you're deep within the underdark, but like find, but I mean, like you were saying, you have to have that conversation back and forth to figure it out if it's too much and they didn't really know the contract that they were signing. Right. Yeah. Well, I would almost say in the Voyage of the Unending Sea campaign, too, it's like we got to a point where it's like we would skip ahead like 12 days. So we had tons and tons of downtime. But is it appropriate to take all of that downtime? Probably not. You're not going to do anything other than get to know the people that you're on a ship with. And, you know, how many times can you role play with made up characters that you, you know, find the lowest level of the depths that you can get to know them, you know? So it's one of those things where, yeah, we had a ton and ton of downtime, but it might not have been appropriate to even take that much downtime. Uh, we, we had that mission and we just were like, all right, let's, let's just get to the next thing. We, we aren't going to role play 12 consecutive days of, well, what do you do this day? What do you do this day? What do you do this day? You know, oh. there's only so many times you can ask that question before I'll, you run out of fodder to do on downtime. I'll take third watch tonight. Whoa. Yeah, right. You want to play another hand of poker? <laughs> <laughs> there's only so many things you can do. So when you know, when you when you have your downtimes in your campaign, um, do you tend to have them be more group sized? downtime activities or do you kind of let players do their own thing do you mix and match how does that work out for you while you're you're dming that group so yes (laughs) Um, (laughs) all right (laughs) in that i essentially whatever they want then i try and facilitate that right so if it works as a group then definitely if it doesn't then definitely not 
because right. I've set it up where each person has an NPC that they're directly tied to. So each one of them has that available to them, something that only they could then go do. At the same time, they can also choose, they have to travel back and forth from the dungeon as a group. So then things can get crazy as a group. Right. So having both options open, I think is super important. Yeah, I think the the one thing that I always run into is there always seems to be some players that really love downtime activities. And there's other people are like, well, I just want to get a new sword. So they're kind of just, you know, left on their own to go and get that sword. And everybody else is like, hey, I have three hours worth of downtime activity that I have planned out in my head that I can go and do. And that can be really hard because you're sitting here and you're like, well, I don't want to ostracize this one person because they have nothing that they want to do. And on the other side, you don't want to make that other person feel like they were, you know, that they got they got skimped out on by not being able to do all of the stuff that they wanted to do. And so I wonder if there's something to be said, even in the downtime, if players don't have something that they want to do and you're in an individualistic sort of scenario to be, you know, maybe thinking and maybe improv isn't your isn't your strong suit. You know, there's there's plenty of random generators that you can do for carousing through a city type thing uh, where you could create a downtime type scenario for that individual player who's, you know, maybe just doesn't have something that they want to think about. Maybe you can create a little fun for them in that instance where, you know, some somebody you you watch somebody get mugged in a back alley and then they have this great story coming back to the group later in the night where it's like, well, what did you go do? Well, I went and crafted some potions. I went and bought some new scrolls. You know, I went and did this, that and the other thing. And they're like, what did you do? I went and bought a sword. And then I used that sword to stab a mugger who mugged an old lady in the yes. alleyway. You know, so you can you can kind of create those sort of scenarios where it's, you know, maybe that one player and maybe maybe you don't have to. Maybe that player is completely fine just watching everybody do their own thing. But you might try in those instances to create a little bit of downtime scenarios for those players to interact in. So I think, you know, maybe they don't know how to interact in downtime. Maybe they're not great thinkers on their feet. And maybe they are looking for something to do. They just don't know what to do. And so as a DM, maybe you can even create a little bit of those opportunities if a group is kind of off on their own, or if a person's off on their own doing their own thing. Definitely. I think that's kind of a fantastic segue on the other question that we came up with for each other. Should a DM plan need to plan ahead for downtime activities? And I would say yes. Yeah. Because for me personally, and, the, and of course this is purely anecdotal based on my experience, <laughs> so I could be 100% wrong and I'm okay with that. Um, but for me... Everybody has their own their own thing that they do, so... It's a pre... You know. So I'm running a pre-written adventure. So adapting deep ties back to the background of my characters who have all written really good backgrounds is a little bit more difficult in something that's so structured. Right. But when it's downtime, that's when I could take those nuggets that they've given me and adapt them in and personalize the downtime far more than I could uh, a trap inside of a dungeon or the monsters that have already been placed in that level. So I would say yes, tailoring it to the things that the players have given you, even if maybe it's inside the dungeon and all of a sudden they find their brother in the next town that, mm -hmm. that's been estranged or something along those lines. Yeah, that's one thing that I often find myself forgetting to do is my players usually write up these great backstories and then I do nothing with them. Or they have these great flaws or these great bonds, you know, with a pet or with one of the other groups of the members. And I totally forget about those things because I'm so caught up in the moment. 
And really, you know, one thing that I, I think I'm going to try in my next campaign, and so take this for what it's worth, is coming up with these set sort of scenarios that could happen with, you know, backstories and things like that. And maybe it's not in a specific town, but maybe under their name, if you have a file or something, just saying, this is a potential event that could happen in a city that pulls on something from their background or something from their bond or something from their flaw or, you know, making something out of a, a weird character quirk that they have. And so I think that's something that, you know, for myself, I need to think about doing more because your players are really, really invested in their backstory. And if you can bring backstories into the downtime activities, they're just going to be so much more in love with whatever downtime activity that they choose to do. So, Neil, that is a great, great idea is to pull on those backstories and things that they've already come up with for those downtime activities. On the flip side of that, though, I would say, no, you don't have to plan for them either. Uh, And this is just... This is just purely me covering all of the bases, Neil. So take this for what it's worth. I'm leaving. But I think some of the I think some of the best downtime activities can come from simply improvising on the fly, oh, and basically yeah. just asking. Like I I love uh, listening, and I think I've learned a lot from listening to the campaign podcast and campaign or er, and one shot quite a bit. Is they ask each other for questions and things like describe what's going on around you or describe you know uh, a character that's come into view. And I think that's something that I'm also going to pick up on in the future is saying, hey, you kind of set the stage for this. Help me think about this because my mind during a night is already, you know, as, as Pemberfoot, Pemberfoot said in our, in our review was it's like mental perspiration every time I sit down at a table as a DM. And so if I can come up with those little things that the players can help me with, it just takes a little bit more off of my shoulders. And at the same time, the players might even be more invested because they came up with it. So Neil, yeah, like you said, yes, totally plan ahead. And at the same time, I would say, no, don't plan ahead. Yeah, and so no. you have this weird kind of paradox of like, yes, I can plan some things, but in some instances, it might just be better to leave it up completely to my players to come up with it. You yeah, know, there's, there's... it was like it was merging them both together in my mind, almost as if, <laughs> as if no, don't really plan. Try and see what they want to do because this is the opportunity. This is one of the only opportunities that they really have the kind of free form ability to tell you exactly what they want to do, but have something planned almost as like your ace up the sleeve where it's right. like the rogue doesn't know what in the world they want to do. And now you toss in the thing you came up with where they stole X thing from these guys long ago and now they're showing back up. Yeah. And just having kind of having them available if by chance your players don't have anything on their own or to help bring one that always wants to buy a sword bring them to the forefront of the downtime so that they don't feel left out that like the guy who always has three hours worth of stuff takes all the limelight so let me ask you this neil you said you're you know you're kind of ace in the hole or the card up your sleeve do you have a specific sort of go-to downtime activity that you like to throw in as a dm yes it's called Random encounters. Oh, yes. <laughs> so, because they have to travel back and forth, I have um, a random encounter sheet, and that's actually the one that started the whole Albert debacle. Ah, uh, uh, yes. <laughs> the Albert debacle of 2016. The yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I just. Albert free since 93. I'm trying to remember what level they were. It was either two, maybe three. I don't think it was even three. Two at most. And I roll on the the chart. They get a random encounter. Well, and then I have them roll it because then I'm like, well, that's on you. 
you were the one that rolled 90 something, not me. It's your fault. And <laughs> it was an owl bear and it, the cleric ran away and they it, immediately, but they still ended up killing it. And then they're like, oh, well, I'll track it. And I'm like, oh, of course you'll track it. So yeah, out of a random encounter came probably one of the best and worst ideas I've had in a while. <laughs> did they know that it was a random encounter? I think they did because they knew why they would be rolling percentage, percentile. Gotcha. Dice. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So I will say this. My kind of ace in the hole is any sort of uh, race type thing. Like uh, I've gotten asked multiple times ever since I shared the story of the wolf racing back in the day uh, oh, in the yeah. Dragon Wars campaign. That's kind of my sort of thing, whether it's racing or an arena style scenario where people can watch what's going on and bet anything that at least for my group i found anything that involves gambling there's a couple of people that i can always tempt into doing another bet or another you know staying in one more round or something like that and through that process they've met some really great characters and they have either won a ton of money or lost a ton of money. And we've even gotten to the point where players are like calculating probabilities. They're pulling out calculators and seeing what the probabilities are for them to win, you know, at a certain type of role and things like that. And so my ace in the hole is anything that has to do with gambling or like arena style. If you, if I can combine arena style spectator sports along with betting, my players are instantly hooked and I love watching them be hooked because it's like it's that sort of thing where it's just like oh i got the claws in you let's see how much i can get <laughs> from you not in a mean dm sort of way but just in a let's see how far this rabbit hole goes shall we this it, is gonna be a lot of fun and it's such a fun one because it's so interesting to see the mind of your players when it's imaginary i mean you know it's imaginary money but like it does kind of mean something cuz if you lose it then you don't have it and just like seeing them struggle with like how much right. they should or shouldn't bet oh it's too much fun well cuz i've come up with these like uh race rules for all these things so it's like i could go to a different city and in that city there's a specific type of animal that's you know whether it's like caribou races you know or something or if it's like the in the case of the dragon wars where it's wolf racing, like I can just substitute any animal at that point, and there can be a spectator. You could have cow racing, you know, for for all I care. You know, you could have any sort of animal racing, and I have the system set up where it's like, all right, this is my ace in the hole, this is my sleeve, this is my card up the sleeve. I know my players will be hooked into this sort of thing, and I love it. Okay, so I've got another one. It's And because we're family-friendly, I will change one of the words that is in this one. So, And I've seen it multiple times come up. It it is chicken poo bingo. Ah, explain. I'm intrigued. Okay, so You would have me hooked if I was one of your players. So essentially you have like a a bingo board set up, and then you put a chicken in there, and wherever they poo, that's like the next one. So like B52 or whatever. And then you have like your bingo board, and then that's how – the bingo squares are selected. That's fantastic. Yes. Or or you could even change it if you want to be really family friendly. Just have a whole bunch of them and there's like little nests where they can lay eggs. Uh-huh. You got a whole other sort of, you know, adventure. And you could maybe even win your money back by getting some of the eggs too. You never know. Hey. I That's like it. awesome. You would have me hooked. I would I would play chicken poop bingo or chicken egg bingo whatever it's called do you have any others neil that you really love i do have a great one and it's i it's so interesting because i'm not involved in any way in this one but it was it was so much fun to hear about it like secondhand because like that's literally all i ever knew about it 
And I think that's why it intrigues me so much to, to hear about it and then try and implement it as a DM. One of our players in the campaign died. I was a player as well. And they were brought back by a less than reputable deity in that world. And <laughs> it was kind of like the mistress of pain type deity. And this has disaster written all over it. The, from then on, the character had a, a, like a solid gold ring in their ear, like no, no clasp or anything that, that they could take out. And anytime we would have downtime, that character wouldn't really do anything, but they were always doing something. Like they would either mm. have side conversations or side sessions with the DM because they had to do missions for this deity so that they would, this deity and that um, church organization for them, or they would die, as far as I knew. Hmm. Like, I really don't even know the answer to the full story. Like, that's why yeah. it intrigues me so much, and that's why I think it's so cool. Yeah. I think one of my favorite opportunities to throw out to players is any sort of business proposition whether it be highly illegal like moving smuggled goods or setting up their own sort of business because anything that you can kind of give players that's like hey this is your homestead or this is your place of residence or you know you have an opportunity to make some money here uh in the case of the dragon wars it was a bar that they could set up and make some money in an inn and you know sort of a a, a multifaceted arena place where people could wrestle and bet and things like that giving players any sort of business opportunity in my mind and for my players is a huge opportunity. So if there's like, you know, if your players come back level five, they have some gold, there's somebody that's looking for investors in their startup business or something that could be something really fun where your players now have a vested interest in the city that they may not have otherwise had. And it could have just been another town where they blow through, maybe even blow up the town on their way through and just keep moving. But now you have a little bit of claws hooked into them for them to come back to this city to develop more relationships, to help you as a DM if you have a homebrew world to flesh out even more details of the city for future players down the road who might might play. And so I love the idea, uh, and I do it quite often, of giving players business opportunities to partake in while they're going through the city that isn't a part of the normal campaign storyline well since you since you brought it up that's my next one so <laughs> as a player I, notoriously i play a dwarf i got the beard for it so like without fail that's what i play and i was a cleric again kind of like my go-to number one go-to class com a race combo for me dwarf cleric dwarf and, and cleric. it would have been years and years ago that I came up with the idea of if you can do purify food and drink, why couldn't I make water into alcohol uh -huh. as a cleric? And it's funny because now in Pathfinder in 2014, they came up with a spell called enhance water. So essentially the same thing. Ah, and yeah, yeah. So I started in every town that we would go into, I would create it and sell it to a local tavern and I would sell them Gimdal's Grog. And I like every town we went into and I had like figured out the math for it and worked with the DM and like figured out what kind of pricing I could do on it. And then I would also try and cast it at higher levels to intoxicate um, enemies while we were fighting them. And they had to do constitution checks on the fly. 
Interesting. So that's so, great. So like not not only did like that downtime activity and me getting to try and sell that to like random bar owners, but I also tried to turn that into a mechanical advantage by casting it at higher levels on um, monsters. That's fantastic. I love that. So could you? I wonder then if a human being is seventy percent water. That was could you? That was the <laughs> argument I stood on. Go on. That's interesting, huh? Well, then I also cast. You've a- now given me ideas to possibly ruin a D and D campaign yes. in the future. Well, and the other thing <laughs> I did was at casting it at higher levels and drinking it would give temporary hit points, because you know the whole hit point thing is kind of more than just like okay, I hit zero hit points, I'm fresh out of blood. Right. Um, it, you, the idea that it's more of like your ability to persevere in the in the battle and then passing out at zero. So yeah, giving temporary hit points after drinking some of Gimdel's grog. Huh, that is awesome. That's fascinating. Another one of my ideas that I love to do is throwing in scavenger hunts. Uh, I love scavenger hunts in real life. Like anytime there's a scavenger hunt, if it's like for little kids, like I, I will help a little kid out by giving them pointers. Or if it's like a, a grown-up scavenger hunt, I would love to be a part of it, no matter what it was, really. And so I love adding scavenger hunts into campaigns, whether it's to find a specific person out in the woods who's holding, you know, a big old sack of coins that that's your prize for winning the scavenger hunt, or whether it's you just simply get a first place medal, or maybe you get free food for a year in the town, wherever it is. I love adding in scavenger hunts where a player goes from point A to point B, they get another envelope, kind of like amazing race style type stuff. And then the players, they slowly get to experience more areas of the region that they may not have otherwise gone to. So there's this forest off to the side that's kind of haunted, you know, quote unquote, by legend. And the players have to go and find the next envelope in the middle of the forest that has another direction pointer for them to go to the next area. You know, that sort of stuff really intrigues me. And I love adding those sorts of things in to campaigns to help enhance and liven up uh, a downtime activity, a, a possible downtime activity. So, and this will make one Rich Howard extremely excited. Um, <laughs> as one of the hosts on his new podcast that he's working on, Whelmed, The Young Justice Files. By the time this comes out, you might be able to listen to it. I don't know. That's the, <laughs> the joy of podcasting. I don't know when anything right. comes yeah, out who knows in, the real, in the real world. Right. Um, but yeah. Go watch first off. Go watch that show just because you should. Second, go watch that show because it shows you how to do downtime mm-hmm. really well. In that the whole group is together often, but certain sets of characters go do things without other characters often. So that yeah. it's a great way to see how to kind of split your group whenever it comes up. Um, what was the episode that we watched? Season one, episode 24 with the circus. Boom. Yeah. Also, circus, downtime. Do it. Yes. Join a traveling circus. It would be fantastic because your players are all super strong or super dexterous or super whatever. They can cast fireballs from their hands. The circus would love to have you. Join the stinking circus. (laughs) Okay. So now we've talked about a lot of great ideas that we have. So we're going to talk about some of the downtime activities that aren't quite as fun for everyone. I mean... 
maybe they're fun because you like they're the less attractive ones yeah but yes you have the whole number crunching for xp depending on how you approach that you have the number crunching for items like how much are you willing to let your player sell how much will a town's economy actually be able to hold what magic items are actually available do you let them train i mean there are a ton that are like almost pure pin to paper rather than pin and paper right yeah i think there's the i think there's obviously the handle and i i think i i I think I hated it at first, and I think it was Skyrim that then put a cap on how much you could sell to a shopkeeper, whereas Oblivion, I think, was just like, yeah, if you can sell it, you can sell it here, that sort of thing. And I like the idea that a small hamlet town of 30 people, you're not going to be able to sell your Vorpal Sword in that town unless you want to give it at a very, 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 very deep discount. And so I like the idea of saying, you know, just simply saying, like, you, you're not going to go through and intimidate this person into giving you a whole bunch of money. Even if you're the most evil person in the world, you're not going to be able to do that sort of thing. And so in those instances, it's just better to kind of say, we'll sell the item when we get there. Or if you're in a big city and you want to shop around, you could you could simply say, hey, there's three stores. They'll give you this much at this store, this much at this store, this much at this store. And if you want to roll to kind of barter, you might not even have to go into those role-playing moments. Unless you guys really, really enjoy that kind of stuff, uh, then I would say by all means do it. But there are some things like do you go and see a trainer to try and get XP, you know, actually actually doing it to the point where it's like, okay, I have to go and train in order to level up sort of thing. Do you do that or do you just skip it? If you have a really good relationship with your trainer and that's part of the backstory, maybe it is. Maybe it's a time to catch up. For most of us, though, it's kind of that thing where it's like, oh, you, you might just be able to skip it and move on to, you know, the stuff that people actually kind of want to do in their downtime activities. Training montage. Okay, it's over. Yep, yep. You see two days worth of training, all of the highlights, you kicking over the master, you've mastered the next level. Cool, you move on to the to the next stage of your level progression as a cleric, a dwarven cleric, Neil. Yes, as well you should, everyone. Yes. Go yes. now. Yes. So the next topic, what are some... Some ways to handle downtime that aren't traditional. I'm sitting at the table rolling some dice because mm-hmm. we because fi- like we said, everyone's downtime can be different, and I think that's I think that's one of the most important takeaways that I want to give is that downtime can and probably should be different for each of your players because right. it's it's most likely exclusively what they want to do, so you should try and tailor it to them. So what are some ideas then that you have that you could handle those things outside of the regular D&D role-playing night? I, you know, I, I have some ideas, but I would love to hear what you have to say, Neil. So it kind of came up when I was on with Ro from Gamers Plane, mm-hmm. but moving your downtime into play-by-post. Mm-hmm. That way you can just tailor it to the people that are actually doing something. Guy who said, oh, I just want to buy a sword. He buys a sword. He's good to go. And then when you get back to the table, you're back in the campaign and you're just get, getting after it. Whereas the other people, it could be hundreds of posts to try and figure out this deep backstory that you've tied to them. And everyone kind of gets what they want. Right. 
Yeah, I, I like the idea of, you know, there are some things that maybe you don't want players at the table to hear because I know that's sometimes things that people do in downtime. There there are specific things that either they go and buy something or they, they do something as a side activity that they don't want the players to know about, whether it's for good or for bad. And maybe in those instances, you just have a conversation with the player and say, hey, let's do this via email or through play by post, or maybe we can Skype later in the week, or maybe you can just come over, you know, if you, if you have a fairly easy week and they can just come over and you can do a one-on-one session of role-playing. I like that idea of saying, okay, if, if there's that thing that you don't want other people to hear about, let's do it in such a way that you and I know the outcome, but nobody else at the table does. And that would be really, really hard to do without doing the, you know, potentially awkward, all right, everybody go into the other room because at that time they know there's something going on that <laughs> you don't want them to know about. Oh yeah, uh, go into the other room and then you know, 15 minutes later, call them back in. Uh, you know, I, I like the idea of doing those sorts of things outside of the typical role playing night. Yeah, and I think the the other one is for one of my players who plays the uh, alchemist at the table. There's just a lot of crunchy content for their downtime like doing the alchemical process or trying to engineer something or building does this idea make sense and there's just a ton of conversation that we just have in text message that the other table isn't aware of or the the other table (laughs) oh (laughs) no multiple tables going on all right you guys figure that out and you just turn around in your chair to the other table all right we're back to you guys what are you doing now (laughs) table one is finally hearing about table two no right my secrets revealed so the other players at the table, rather, uh, don't really know that we have those conversations. And a lot of the concepts and ideas around what his downtime will be have already been kind of hashed out so that when he has his downtime, it's much faster than he and I there sitting at the table going th- going back and forth through a bunch of the logistics. So right. trying to figure out the person who's a lot crunchier beforehand so that when you're there in the moment, it's a lot easier for you. And the rest right. of the players. Yeah, if you can help streamline that a little bit, it could take a... Yeah, because if you have an alchemist, man, that's going to take a while to crunch all those numbers and do all of the stuff that they want to do. And so if you can streamline that beforehand, that's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, he wants us to modify his uh, amazing uh, construct named Clanky, so... <laughs> Clanky's the best. I love uh, that guy. Why do, why do constructs always have the weirdest names? Oh, man. He's he's the best, and then he's starting to work on another one, calling him Clockwise, <laughs> Clanky and Clockwise. Yeah, and I, I was surprised and, it wasn't like Ratchet and Clank or something. Well, and then when Clockwise goes evil, he's going to be Counterclockwise. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that's, that's so dumb and fantastic at the yep. same time. <laughs> it's the best. and it's only it's it's one of those things where I'm like, man, that's so dumb. But if I was the one doing it, or somebody in my table was doing it, I'm like, that's fantastic because it's something that everybody will remember from this day forward. Oh yeah. So that's, that, it's awesome in my mind. We'll just say that it's yep. awesome. <laughs> so that's all we have for you today talking about downtime and hopefully some of the, the ideas that we brought to you can help you have better downtime with your players. And if you want to reach us with more than 140 characters, you can email us at dungeonmasterblock at gmail.com if you yourself have some downtime and want to go listen to all the other amazing podcasts we have you can check us out on itunes stitcher google play music and any of the other amazing podcast apps that you might have and if you know what you can't find us on one that you have you should totally email us at the email i already gave you 
we will get it figured out for you. We will get it on whatever app that you use. If, if you also have Twitter, we would love to see you on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is DMS underscore block. That's DMs block. And you can also find us on Facebook by searching Dungeon Master Block in the little search bar at the top of the page. You can find all sorts of D&D memes, news, and updates about the show there. And we would just love to have you follow us, and we will be sure to interact with you as much as we can on there. Neil, we have a Patreon Dragon shout-out for this episode. And this episode's Patreon Dragon is... Carl Anderson. So, Carl, we thank you so much yes, for your thank support. You. Carl is a feared bronze dragon. Watch so, it. as you see Carl streaking across the sky, no, that is not a ho-oh in the air, as Ask Ketchum saw back in the day. <laughs> that is Carl Anderson being a bronze dragon. So, thank you so much, Carl, for your support. Yes, thank you. All right, we just want to thank you again for listening to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we talk about the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all the other players at the table. Have a great night, everyone. And keep on Dungeon Mastering. Goodbye.